0: Hello, welcome to Amherst Radio's arts program, Studio Stories. I'm your host, Lynn Wyminga, and on this program, I take you on an art tour. Every episode, we visit a different studio and talk to artists and artisans about their work, their journey, and more. We'll update cji.ca slash studio stories with images of or links to our guests' work and sites, and maybe get a photo of our guests in their studio as well. This week I headed east on the front road of Amherst Island to Mayo's clay pen and sat in her cozy studio by her wheel and roller and the table filled with pottery in all stages of the process and we talked about playing with clay.
1: How's it going Mayo? Well as you can see there's a lot of things going on here. A lot of things In every direction and my hands are all dry and full of clay but other than that it's great.
2: That's a good sign
1: though. <laughs> it, it is. Um, so for the people who
2: don't know you can you tell us about what you do? What do you make?
1: All right, I play in clay, and I make functional things for people who want regular things in their kitchen, and I make sort of funky things for people who want artsy fartsy things that may or may not be functional.
2: (laughs) I have some of both, I think. I think you do. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: my big question, and
2: we've we've been pre-discussing this a little, (laughs) is uh, how did you get
1: started playing with clay? Well, I don't know how far back you want to go, but if you... Let's go far back. Far back. So I grew up loving to make things and do things and play with my hands and play in wools and anything. And um, fabrics. And my parents said, there's no future in that. You should go into education. Because then when you get married and you have children, you'll have your summers off and... It was at a time in life when everybody assumed you were going to get married and have children. I thought, well, why not? So I went ahead and I got my master's in education. And then I got married and I taught for about a year and I got pregnant and that was the end of teaching. And we moved to State College, Pennsylvania, where my husband at that time, he said now, um, was getting his PhD in acoustical engineering and I had one child and another one on the way. They were 18 months apart. So my baby was born, and I met a neighbor who had children about the same age. And she had, she was a potter. Ah. Only she didn't play on the wheel. She did hand building where you roll things out and carve them and, she was, and sculpt them. And she was awesome at that. But she had this little play kind of wheel, not a real one, in her studio. And she said, why don't you take it and play with it? okay (laughs) so i took it and i put it in my kitchen because that was about the only place i could put it i couldn't go down to the basement with it because i needed to hear the kids and they needed to find me and so i decided i would throw a pot in my kitchen once you put water with clay and put it on a spinning wheel i can't tell you how far that water and clay Ah! can spread I cleaned my kitchen top to bottom and I thought this is not going to work so I tried putting something around me and doing it again a little better not good so I eventually developed a way how to throw with very little water so I didn't make a mess and I could make pots well later on universities and different groups approached me to teach them how to throw what they call dry so I still do it I don't make a mess I don't have a big catch pen I don't have a mess around me. I have a messy apron on because I wipe my hands. Right. But So you never know. So then we were at Penn State University. My husband was getting his PhD. And I decided, I really like this. I will go and get a bachelor's in art, in ceramics. Well, I applied for it. And they said, no, I'm sorry, you have a bachelor's. In fact, you have a master's. You cannot get an undergraduate degree. Well, I said okay so I applied for a master's and they said no you can get in the master's program because you don't have a bachelor's or not I know so I couldn't get anywhere yeah so I just basically played with clay and taught myself and whatever I have now there's all these YouTube videos Right. and I can watch them and I can learn some things or I can say oh my god no don't do that you don't know what you're doing don't so I've gotten far with it but it's been a great journey I love it that's excellent and I
2: happen to know that this is not the only career path that you've taken, other than the year of teaching, but you've done a lot of other creative things. Can you tell us a little bit about those?
1: <laughs> oh, yes. After I broke my neck and I was in a brace from forehead to hip, um, I started an heirloom seed company. And we had people send us seeds from all over the world, and we grew them, and we reproduced them, and then we sold them with a little catalog, catalog that we started around our dining room table at Thanksgiving time. My mother, well, all of us drew pictures for it. It was, hand, and it was the cutest little catalog. We sent it out. I can't tell you the response we got and our business grew and it grew and grew and grew until I sold it and moved up here. So that was exciting. I've always been an editor and a proofreader. So I've gotten into all kinds of things. So I can't even tell you some of the other things I have done. I had a, a, a business in, in the Chicago area where we made, I had two partners and um, two of us developed the patterns. The other one was the business head <laughs> and the patterns we developed, we would knit the prototype and then send them to small knitters to knit for us. And people like Oprah Winfrey and the mayor's wife bought them. They went into a few little shops. Then we were contacted by Lord and Taylor, who said we'd like you to make them for our stores. Well, there were three stores in Chicago. And we thought maybe we could do this, and they said, "No, we need all nationwide stores." So we knew we couldn't do that, and we looked for over a year for knitters who could do this for us. We went and we we did South American and Ireland and the UK, and we couldn't get enough knitters, so we didn't do it, and we that sort of folded. But we had some when I moved here. <laughs> I had a trailer of of good things and a whole another trailer of yarn. I can't tell you how much yarn. <laughs> I've been getting rid of it slowly. I had some yard sales, garage sales here, where people came and just one woman and her son were visiting on the island. They came in a Volkswagen and they left with it full of yarn. <laughs> that was so fun.
2: As a knitter, I know uh, our stashes can grow and grow and grow. So she must have been very excited. They must
1: have been they were delighted yeah 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 Excellent.
2: um okay back to the, back to the pottery while we're sitting in your studio which is so
1: cozy and warm um can you tell us a little bit about where you work your studio this is the house was on a map in the 1870s we don't know when it was built but prior to that obviously and i'm not sure if this is part of the original or if it was close to the original. But we decided to make this, what looks like a garage, into my studio. And my son-in-law, who's an architect and builder, he's like a young Woody. <laughs> While we were away for one winter, came and he fixed up all the the construction that was not good and insulated it, walls and ceiling, and then built in shelving and stuff for me. So I love yes. it. I came home and I had this wonderful place. It is more... The house is not insulated, but the studio is, so I could live out here. All I need is some food, and I'm happy.
2: Excellent. Well, it's a good, I mean, it's, it's nice to be here. The, the, it's clearly well used,
1: oh and uh,
2: so much beautiful work out in the kiln and the, all the tools. It's, it's
1: excellent. Do you know what that is? I do not know. Oh, a, a slab roller? A slab roller. You're. I right. only
2: know that because a friend of mine just bought one. They're oh awesome.
1: God. You can, you could take a rolling pin and try to roll a clay yeah. and get it even, or that's a slab roller. And I got it, there was this 90 something year old potter in the county who was downsizing her studio. Still planned to go on with working, but you know, she wanted So I got that and a kiln and a wheel nice. from her.
2: Nice. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: That's you should have seen the people who brought it over saying, this weighs a time. What is it? <laughs> It was great. That's great.
2: Um, okay, I would love for you to tell the listeners a little bit about your process. But uh, there's a few different. There's a lot of different things that you do. So maybe you could tell us about the different
1: methods that you use. I guess most people are interested in throwing on the wheel. They've seen the movie Ghost and they think, Oh, how romantic! <laughs> oh, throwing on the wheel is so lovely. And it really is, but you have to either like it or not. And there are some people who look very fastidious, and you'd never guess, but they got into this and love it and want to play in clay. And other people you think would take to it have not. When you get clay, let's say the easiest way is you buy um, two 25-pound bags together, and that's, um, it's called a pug of clay, one okay. of the 25-pound bags and then you use a wire to cut it you can't pull right. it off you cut it off and you use whatever you cut off i will weigh it so that if i'm making a set of mugs they all take a pound and a half of clay i have the pound and a half i don't have to worry about it i just throw it and they're pretty much the same size so once you do that then you have to manipulate it with your hands it's called wedging
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's a certain process where you get any ear bubbles out So then when you finish wedging, you put it on the wheel and take a little bit of water to center. And then you don't have to use a lot. And i will show you how not to. Right. And then you use your fingers to make a hole and open it. And then you pull it out and pull it up or pull it out. If you want to make a bowl, you pull it out a little bit more. If you want to make a a plate, you push it all the way flat. You can picture what the things look like. And when that's dry enough, it's called leather hard. You can take it. You know, first, you you use a, a wire to cut it off the wheel head. Otherwise, it will stick there, right. and you'll never get it off. And then, when it's dry enough to be touched, and without changing shape, you can turn it upside down, recenter it, and then scrape off the bottom. So think of a plate that has a foot on the bottom. Mm-hmm. It doesn't when it's on the wheel. You have to then trim it with a trimming tool. Right. Does that make sense. Yes. Totally. Or the bottom of a mug or yeah. anything. Anything. Yeah. And then um, you let it get completely dry. It's called bone dry. And then you fire it one time in the kiln and it goes up to, well, cone 04, is probably about 1900 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. I don't know it in. No worries. And then when that's cooled, you let it cool, it, you fire it up one day and cool it down the next, and then take it out and then you put glaze on it. And you can't glaze the bottom because it's glass and it melts and it would stick to the pot. So that's why when you buy something, it has a part, you know, part of it is showing, like you can see here, there's a little bit that's not glazed. Right. So it, so it comes off the shelf and, um, and then you glaze it. And when that's thoroughly dried, you put it back in the kiln. Three times. No, two times. This is t- the second time. And then you take it up to about 2,300 degrees.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and it takes one day to fire and another day to cool. And you can't open it before it's about 200 degrees. Otherwise, things will crackle. Right. You hear it crack. And that's it. And then you have to have pacified the kiln gods. So. <laughs> I've heard about these kiln gods. No, well, They have temper tantrums once in a while. And they say, I'm going to explode that pot and let all those pieces stick to the other pot. Or you put in a blue glaze, we think we'll turn it red. I mean, you never know. And so, actually, glaze is off gas. Mm-hmm. And depending on how tightly packed your kiln is, and what glazes near another, and on what shelf, it can alter the things around it. So there are some wow. rules that the kiln gods follow that I don't... That you're don't. not privy to. No, 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 no. So it's really like Christmas. Every time you open the kiln, who knows what you're going to find. I have another Potter friend who says the same oh, thing. I thought it was me I've learned by the seat of my pants, so I'm glad to hear this. That's funny. Now, quick
2: word from our sponsor. Studio Stories is brought to you by Lens Lids, handmade hats and fiber art. Lens Lids makes durable, windproof and waterproof merino wool hats in a variety of styles for women and a few for men as well. Find us online at linslids.com, that's L Y N N S L I D S, on social media at, at linslids, and the studio on Amherst Island is open by appointment. Drop an email to linslids at
0: gmail.com or call or text 343 989 1550. If you're just joining us, this is Studio Stories on Amherst Island Radio 92.1 FM. I'm Lynn Wyminga, your host, and this week we're visiting in the clay studio of Mayo Underwood and talking about her ceramic art.
2: Okay, now talk to me a little bit about some of your hand-formed pieces, like...
1: Ah, story pieces. Story pieces. Yeah. Okay. I, I developed this particular kind of working in clay, which is hand-building, and on the outside of things... Uh, It's very odd. I can put almost anything. So let me show you here. Um, These are for my grandchildren. So I put their names on it and then the things that they like. And there's little footprints and there's a turtle and whatever it is. And the inside is glazed. So they can eat out of this bowl, but they can see the things they like. And they put, like, love Dita. I'm Dita. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: So a butterfly butterfly and and things like that. So and I'm making another one here today. That's for Clayton, and we cool. have another new granddaughter as of last two weeks ago. Oh, congratulations! And another one due in June. I don't know, grower boy. So
2: Excellent. I have to keep
1: these bowls going.
2: Excellent. Yeah, they're beautiful. So they they but they look like they're a whole bunch of different pieces.
1: They are put so together. If you want if anybody wanted something with butterflies or footprints or their names or whatever. I've, I've done wedding pieces where you put the name of the person and the date they're married, and mm-hmm. I've done things for people who buy houses. They want the date they bought it and their address, and oh. they can have bowls or plates or whatever, and everybody says, oh, how did you do that? And other potters say, how did you do that? But I'm not telling. Right, excellent.
2: Yeah. Okay, that's so, so Potter Secret. Can you tell me a little bit about your routine do you have golden hours where it's best for you to be working
1: like do you have a routine or you just wing um, it I sort of wing it but I have to I try to get out here in the morning if I do something in the morning because I throw dry it's pretty much ready to trim in the afternoon oh, yeah, that's good. so otherwise other potters have to wrap it and wait a day or so because they use a lot of water right so I can work in the morning throw some things and like I did those People wanted beer steins, so that's it, and I can trim them later and make the handle. Right, okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's my routine. I never thought of it, but it's pretty much get out there, do it, and then go back and trim. Right, right. Excellent. And do you have any tools of choice, things that make your work easier? There's something called a needle point, which is a long, sharp needle on a very sturdy handle. I'm looking for it over here. So there's a probably five-inch strong metal handle and a two-inch needle. Mm-hmm. And you can cut clay, do almost anything you want with this. And if you're throwing a pot and there's a bubble of of air, which yeah. can destroy a pot, if you poke it with a needle point and then keep throwing, that will have burst the bubble, basically. Nice, nice. So, so it's not going to explode. Yeah, on. And you sponges. Because I don't use a lot of water, but I can use a damp sponge to keep things, you know, yeah. flowing. Yeah. Right. Excellent. If you think of it, people who use a lot of water, the more water, the weaker the clay gets. It gets softer and softer. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people start to pull out a bowl, make it go outward, and it collapses because it has a lot of water. Oh, okay. So the less water, the further you can take it and the thinner it can be. Most of my pieces are pretty thin. Which is good or bad, depending on...
2: I guess depending on your preference. Right. Okay, another question for you. What makes Mayo Underwoods ceramics unique?
1: Because they are unique. Well, thank you. You know, I berate myself all the time because I don't have sets of X or Y. Uh, and I, I don't have sets of X or Y of myself in the kitchen. Right. And so I think yeah, it probably appeals to people are a little bit off-center.
2: <laughs> you calling me off-center? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, someone you know well, and she said, I don't like normal people. That's why I like you. <laughs> so it was great. I said, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And Doug always says that. He says, I never know what you're going to do, but I think that's what, when, so if you go to your, to make, to drink your co- coffee or eat your, do you want to always have the same exact, mug in your hand? I know I don't. But I have a collection of handmade mugs I <laughs> have all over the too, place. I today, Oh, I feel like the blue and today. Hmm, oh, I'm, a, I'm in a green day. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. So that, those are the people I think would like what I do. Yeah.
2: And so for me, I can usually recognize your work from uh, often from like the glazes that you use. Can you yeah. talk about anything about color or your palette?
1: I sort of got into blues because so many people asked for them. And then in the last two years, I've developed a blue that, I, that you can see on the table, but it's a very rich blue, and it looks like there's movement in it. Yeah. And the more I have of it, the more I sell of it, and the more people like it, and the more people request it, so I guess I'm into blues. Right.
2: Or you're going through your blue period. I'm going through
1: my blue period. I'm working on a red though, a rich red. I like reds too.
2: Oh yeah, we got a French butter
1: dish from you and
2: a rich red. Oh, beautiful.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have some. Yeah, I'm taking some things to a shop tomorrow. I don't think I have much in the red. That's fun, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's. Mm, I don't know what you call that. modelled, I guess. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And this, the the woven basket. That's super. It fun. was. That's it's hand building and I was trying it and it's great, except it doesn't lay flat. It's sort it of rocks. Oh, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Right. A rocking b- basket. Rocking basket. That's... <laughs> that's one of those things. You now, what do I do with it? You know? Yep.
2: Yeah. It's beautiful. What would you say is the most fun part of your work?
1: Oh, definitely throwing. Yeah. I get up, I will have awakened sometime in the middle of the night or early in the morning and my mind is going, oh, I could try that. Oh, wow, I bet I could do that. And then I come and I play in it. And then trim it, and it stands there. And when it's in this, right here is a plate that's drying. And I love it like this. But then I have to do something and glaze it and all that. That's not as much fun. But creating that first piece, I love that.
2: And, okay, so here's a question. Why is the glazing bit not, that, not as much fun? Is it because it
1: changes? You don't see what you get? Or... Uh, that's part of it, but if you think of it and you take a piece that's ready to be glazed It's sort of a pinkish color mm-hmm. because it's bisque and it, it won't change its shape It won't melt down in in water and it will absorb. So that's the perfect thing And if I put on a glaze that I want to be blue It come it's a pinkish color, right? So then and each glaze because I'm not dipping dipping is another thing if I were dipping You need a five-gallon, a big bucket, like a five-gallon bucket of glaze, and you dip in it. Yeah. Well, with our going away for five months, that dries out. Right. It's several hundred dollars to make that bucket of glaze. I'm not going to use it for a few months and let it dry out. So the alternative is glazes in jars that you brush on. Right. So when I brush them on, it might take three different coats of different glazes to get the colors I want. Mm hmm Each coat has to be brushed on in three times and dry thoroughly in between that's nine times of brushing on one oh thing goodness. yeah and it gets boring yeah <laughs> it's not the fun oh what can I create it's like yeah. okay now I got a glaze and then there's an entire kiln load of stuff that needs that right so it's oh dear here right I go. so I'm the Christmas a, is like, like yay
2: yeah. it's all done right. <laughs> and here's what I got
1: So I'm working on ways to do less glazing. Great, great. You want something in raw clay? We'll (laughs) find. Excellent. Um, Okay, and can you talk
2: to me about sort of the most challenging part of your work? Now we've talked about the fun. Oh,
1: it's keeping the darn Studio clean. (laughs) I mean, I look at this. I've got. There are certain parts of everything that are in different stages, and then clay is messy. It flakes. Yeah. It flakes off. It dries off. And but it's your you know,
2: studio. It's not supposed to be clean, is
1: it? Oh. <laughs> I have been to studios where every day when people leave, they clean it, floor to ceiling. Oh dear they me, they have that too is much time on their hands. And then I have this lovely, you know, old wooden floor that came out of the house. It's a laminate floor. Uh-huh. Well, I understand why they have white floors. Look at all the white clay on it. Yep. And if I wash it, it just smears it. It's great so keeping it clean is not my forte and keeping it organized right there is someone on the island she loves to organize but she's been too busy she says I want to come and organize your studio please come please come I'll help you do whatever you're doing come down
2: (laughs) (laughs) come organize for me yeah that'd be good okay I think we might be running out of time Mm -hmm. Uh, so I guess I'm going to move on to my last couple of questions um, one is, and I don't know if you have an answer for this, but um, do you have any advice for people who are just starting, or they've just found that they really love pot- making pottery or playing with
1: clay? Do you have any? I guess words? if I were starting again, I could. I find somebody whose work I liked and said, and say, would you show me? Would you teach me? Right. Would you know? And whether it's hand building or most potters can do either. Yeah. And so if somebody said to me, I want a hand I would show them all the basics up and let them go at it. Right. And if they want to throw on the wheel, I've taught some people how to throw on the wheel. But if you can see what somebody else is doing and really don't believe YouTube, some of those people are not right. Right. (laughs) They make it look easy, and I don't know what they've done. And some of them use so much water, I have no idea how they bring this pot to, to fruition. It's really crazy. And when you start doing it and trying it, when you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get messed up. Right.
2: So in person and don't believe everything you see on YouTube.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And find the person. I mean, if you ask me, I know different places around here that are good and will help. Mm -hmm. Nice. Excellent.
2: Um, Okay. Last question about uh, your beautiful work. Where can we find your work?
1: Um, I've had it at the Weasel and Easel and I'll continue to do so. We'll post it on the uh yeah on the webpage. Oh the piggery.
2: The piggery, the piggery. It,
1: right. a uh, north of Newburgh. What a great spot to visit. All right, so we'll we'll post
2: that. And uh is there anywhere online that we can find your work? Oh, yeah, I do. I have a
1: website. It's called mayo-underwood.com. Excellent.
2: All right. Uh, one last question, because this summer I know that there's a studio tour coming. Are you going to be part of the studio tour? I would like to. If we're here, I, I expect us to be here. Okay. Excellent. And what month I'm is not, it? I'm not sure the dates. I uh, But I'll you have know everything. Brian. Wait a minute. I know. Brian sent me the thing, and I forgot to read the oh, dates. and so. Go. Yeah, I'd like to, I
1: plan to be. Excellent. Okay, well, thanks so much for for your
2: time today,
1: Mayo, and for your story. You're going to be really good at this because you get people to talk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, listeners, for joining us. This has been Studio Stories, and we've been talking to islander and ceramic artist Mayo Underwood. Go to our program page at cji.ca/slash studio stories for artist images and information, and be sure to come for a visit to Mayo's Clay Pen during the Island Art Tour on July 14th, 2018. Tune in next time when we visit Chasing Lightning Bugs Studio in Portsmouth Village and talk to rogue quilt builder Annette Willis.